How's everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we break down the lectionary text of the week. I'm your host, not Michael Yerrick. I'm Sam Styles Williams. Um, I told him I was going to say that joke because apparently he did the same thing with Derek. Um, I'm going to be taking over, and this is my first time as official host. And I'm here with these wonderful people, starting with Allison. How's it going? I'm doing great. And honestly, Sam, you just nailed that intro first time. And I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've ever introed a podcast that well. (laughs) I'm not saying that I practiced for the five minutes before we started, but I might have, you know, really want to make sure it all came out correctly. Yeah. So I'm doing well, but also I'm doing, I'm really impressed by what just happened. (laughs) Vendela, how's it going? How you feeling? No, I feel great. I think I could not have done that intro any better than you. So perfect, perfect pronunciation. That was the most stressful part. Delivery was great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everything else in this will be fun and easy. Now we get to talk about the interesting and fun stuff. I don't have to say a script. Um, So with that, Vendela, do you want to like start us off today? Yeah, for sure. I'll go ahead and open us in prayer. Um, Hey, God, thank you so much for letting everybody on this stream get here safely, get on in time, um, that we are able to pause our busy lives to just come on and discuss some excerpts from the Bible and talk about, you know, just chat and catch up. And I'm just grateful to have a pause in my day, to be honest, because it gets pretty busy sometimes. So this is a nice break. Thank you so much. Amen. Pause in a day is such a good thing to be thankful for because, mm-hmm. man, life doesn't really stop unless you have a, a specific pause. I'm going to be talking about that later in my thing. But um, we're going to start off with the New Testament text. Allison, you want to take it away? Yeah, let's go. Um, it's so funny because every time I'm the first text, I forget I'm the first text. And then like halfway through that prayer, I was like, I go first, um, which is even funnier because now I'm also the one creating the outlines. So I put myself here. But with that, I have 1 Corinthians 9, 16 through 23. Um, I always look at multiple versions of the text just because I feel like I sometimes I get different things out of different versions, but also sometimes just reading the Bible is hard. And so sometimes if I read multiple versions, things just make more sense to me. Um, But a lot of this is it's Paul speaking. Um, He's talking about how he preaches the gospel. He talks about God, um, but he does it because he, he's not doing it voluntar- like voluntarily. He's saying this is what he is obligated to do. This is what he's supposed to do. This is what he has to do. And there are consequences if he doesn't do it. Um, and so he kind of goes through and he talks about like this journey of um, how his story is different, how he didn't volunteer for it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of where the, I was looking for a specific line, and I never write down the numbers that I should. Um, but he 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 goes into this like little script of you know when I'm around this kind of person, or I act like this, or when I'm around someone with this background, I act like this. So like for example, you know he says, um, I've been broken, lost, depressed, opp- oppressed, and weak, that I might find favor and gain the weak. I'm flexible, adaptable, and able to do and be whatever is needed for all kinds of people so that in the end, I can use every means at my disposal to offer them salvation. Um, And so the weak is just like one of the things he says, you know, I have been weak in order to connect with the weak. Um, But the other one is like he says, when I'm around, 
sports when around Jews. I emphasize my Jewishness in order to win them over. So just things like that. Um, and there are some, I read through these a few times and there are some moments where I'll read part of it. And I'm like, my brain sometimes like goes to like politics and I can't stop it from going there sometimes. And I get stuck in these like moments of like, some of these things he's saying, I'm like, when he's like, when I want to bring these people forward, I act like this or like, and like that, like false, like, I'm going to do this. I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's kind of, it kind of like hit me weird, but then I read it a bunch of other times and I, and I was able to like see the good as opposed to the bad, because I don't know why my brain instantly was like, that's a little weird that like, it's almost like he is pretend he, I mean, he's pretending to be something he's not, um, but in a way he's pretending to be something he's not for like good reason, but it's just like this weird, like ground of like, how do we look at it? Um, but I really do love how in the verse, the original like chunk I just read, uh, verse 22, I'm going to read it again. I've been broken, lost, depressed, oppressed and weak that I might find favor and gain the weak. I'm flexible, adaptable, and able to do and be whatever is needed for all kinds of people so that in the end, I can use every means my disposal to offer them salvation. First of all, my brain just really felt like Dr. Seuss for a minute there. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I don't know where that came from. As I was reading it, I was like, feels like I'm reading a Dr. Seuss book, probably like the rhymes. Um, but I do want to highlight that this verse says, um, and able to do and be whatever is needed for all kinds of people. All kinds of people is what I want to highlight. Um, so that in the end, I can use every means at my disposal to offer them salvation. Um, and so I think, even though my brain had a really hard time getting here, just from like, you know, what I was saying a second ago, where I was like, ah, bad, ah, good, like back and forth. Um, I think this is the good we pull out of this verse of like, um, Anytime anybody kind of speaks on that, like, well, this person doesn't deserve salvation because this, because of who they are, um, is so untrue. You know, we read verses like this and it literally says, whatever is needed for all kinds of people so that in the end I can offer them salvation. Um, and I think it's really important to highlight that verse of like all kinds of people. There is no barrier. There is no all kinds of people, but this, there is no all kinds of people minus this. It is all kinds of people. Um, and I think, you know, I can use every means at my disposal to offer them salvation kind of puts in that, like all people deserve salvation. So that's kind of where I went with it. It's kind of a little mixed up and jumbled, but that's, that's pretty normal for me when I um, am talking about a verse. I love that interpretation. I, especially like as somebody who always feels like the one who accidentally brings politics into it, as soon as you said, like, I don't want to get political. I was like, yeah, it's gonna be a fun episode. Cause like, I don't, we see showing different parts of ourselves a lot of times as a society as being like fake um, and like putting up a front. But I think the way that just the world is organized, especially when you're doing any kind of job that involves serving others, that kind of just comes with the territory because like be presenting the best parts of yourself for the room, I think is how I look at it. it where it's not a false narrative. It's not who I'm, I'm not pretending to be someone else. It's just the parts of me that I want to show in here. Um, and that is something that people who go to school for poli sci and want to go into politics um, know very well. And that's a conversation. Um, I actually, when you were talking, pulled up my notes from class. I'm in a comparative politics class right now. Um, we just had a conversation yesterday about identity and the idea of like um, back in the day when like science started looking at identity, it was like, you are this, that's it. And so everything you do will be based on that one identity. But then 
people and scientists started being like, well, no, I like, it's exactly what we're talking about in this. It's fluid. There are multiple parts of your identity. And like, that means one, you're going to show different parts of your identity in different rooms, like Paula saying, but also it means that like, sometimes that's, what's going to help you serve. Like it is going to be the identity that motivates you to do something. So I really, really like talking about this and I can't help but hear this text and think about some of like the amazing mentors and leaders I have in my life who, when you really know someone who's in a position of leadership, I feel like you see all of those different parts of them that Paul is talking about, all of the parts that are hidden in some rooms and open in another. Um, so that was my, my jumbled response. I'd love to hear what everyone else has to say. Yeah, I, I liked both of your analysis of this, to be honest, especially almost relating it to like a politician. I feel like everybody is their own politician though, especially when you're trying to convince somebody of anything. Like you want to find something you have in common. Otherwise, if you make yourself seem completely different than that person, then of course they're not going to agree with you. They're not going to want to do the thing you're introducing them to. Um, I just, I think that just like you, Allison, I was looking at this and I was like, wow, I hate this person. <laughs> if I was in a room with this person, I would feel totally like, plague like you know like but then I was reading it more and I was like okay well I guess like he's trying to appeal to them they're like ethos they're like emotions like oh like I'm here with you I'm like doing this with you I'm living like you and I do like this one sentence it's uh verse 22 it says I try to find common ground with everyone um doing everything I can to save some and that might have been one that you read but for some reason my translation is a little different and I like the line, I try to find common ground. I think that especially right now, it's really difficult to find common ground with people, especially those that like don't believe the same things as us. And I do appreciate that um, and find it surprising to read that in the Bible of all places. Um, but I, I liked it. I think that the second part of that line, doing everything I can to save some, like he's talking about all these different things he's doing. He's he's living like this. He's doing that. He's trying to relate to this group of people. And he's doing all that just to save some. Like not even to save everybody. And I think that that's really interesting for me because I I personally sometimes feel like you can get left behind in Christianity. And so this is really interesting because he's saying I, I'm there for those some people that like are off to the side that are completely like nothing like my religion. Like I'm doing all of this just for those few people in the back that might hear and find something like relatable within it. I think that that is, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. I liked it. I think I was a little back and forth. I was a little judgmental, but if we're going to pull the good out of it, then I, I like that a lot. I love that. The idea of like the people left out working through the margins. That was, wow. I have like nothing to add to that. That was fabulous. Wow. That was really good. Um, we are going to move now into my Old Testament text. Um, I'm talking about Isaiah 40, um, 20 verses 21 through 31. Um, and what, like, we kind of just hinted at it because I feel like you can't read any interpretation. You can't read really anything right now without having that moment, like Vendela just talked about, of especially in our world right now, because everything is in a context of where we're at. 
Um, and so I actually wanted to start talking about this text by talking about the commentary I read about it first, because I read a, a Methodist commentary and I read the first sentence and was like, I'm going to stop and just write about that for a second. Because it opened by saying that the following chapters, what we're talking about, um, the following chapters address a tired and weary people who likely had some trouble imagining a new future. And whew, whew, isn't, isn't that where we're all at? Like, isn't that the lack of common ground, what's going on in our world, everything we're seeing? Aren't we a weary and tired people who are having trouble imagining a new future? So I just wanted to start by like building room for that with this text, because this text is really an answer to what to do in that. The, the title of the text, at least in my Bible, is God's people are comforted. Um, and the whole text is this beautiful like love letter to the scope and power of God. And if you view it from that lens of a, a thing to fall back on when the world is so hard and a thing to reassure and be comforted by in the hardest parts of your life, I, I really like this text looking at it from that end. Um, one of my notes just says that quote that I just said about a tired future. And I said, real, because that's, that's what I got from this text. Um, it starts off by talking about have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood the foundations of the earth? He's basically saying that, have, have we not shown already in this entire Bible how powerful God is and what the scope and majesty of the kingdom of heaven looks like? Um, and goes on to give a lot of classic biblical examples, um, talking about he sits above the circle of the earth and sees us all as insects and grasshoppers. Um, my favorite um, like metaphor that they use is they talk about pulling the curtains over like a tent um, and tents are used a lot in the Bible. I had to call my mom who's a pastor and be like, Hey, I, I'm interpreting this right. Um, Cause like tents are often used to talk about like shelter, but also a covenant with God because of the original tabernacle where like, it's kind of the promise that God is going to provide that shelter um, and that it's a, it's a harbor of safety. And I, I just love that interpretation. I, really appreciate reading a text that feels like it's talking about our current context. Um, and as much as most of the Bible is talking about the immensity and majesty of God, and it's sometimes hard to understand and put into words, looking at it as a thing to fall back on, as an assurance, as a comfort, when the world is really, really hard, I think is a beautiful way to look at it. Um, so I would love to hear what you guys think, because yeah, we we definitely we definitely are a tired and weary people right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that most stood out to me about what you just said was the tired and weary people part. So I'm going to actually go into the Bible part now, but just to preface, that was a little more relatable for me. But I think that it was funny because I have it pulled up right here and I um, I've been using my Bible app for like since I like started going to youth group in like sixth grade and I was like, like I had like my little Bible app and I would highlight different colors for things. And I literally have 31 highlighted uh, verse 31, which is those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And it's just interesting because I think then like it was so much easier for me to do, like you said, Sam and like, uh, to find like refuge in these verses and stuff like that. But now it's more difficult just because 
I do have like doubts, like as I've grown older, like just after like living and having new experiences and stuff, like that's just how it is. But it's interesting because this verse is just very applicable for me, especially because we're talking about being weary and tired of our world right now. And then this is saying like finding new strength, running and not growing weary. And honestly, like I really feel like I could use some of that strength with conversations I have every day with, uh, you know, seeing headlines in the news and not just feeling like all hope is lost. So I think that, again, with what I was saying before, like I start out reading this and I'm like a little bit weary, but now I, I feel like it's just nice to, like you said, it's nice to have some refuge, some strength and be able to read this and feel like, okay, there's there's hope to be honest. So I like that. And I just want to comment on one thing you said about like the questioning and the doubts. Cause I think my interpretation of 30 um, before 31 is like giving space for that where like it's, it's, I feel like it's one of the few points that acknowledges it says even youths will faint and be weary and the young will feel exhausted. Um, and I feel like often when we talk about like questioning God and big questions of religion, it's not tailored towards the young people and it's not tailored towards like, I mean, that's obviously why we have Studio Wesley and like a place for college age adults to question and be weary. Um, but I really like the fact that this, this text specifically gives space for those who are tired and those who are questioning and those who don't feel in this moment because most of the time you're not going to be sitting there thinking and feeling the power of God. You're going to question. And I think giving space for that in the text is really, really helpful. Yeah, I didn't even see that, but good catch, good catch, because that's so applicable. Yeah, and I, um, well, first, I want to say you talking about how you kind of clarified something with your mom. I love that so much because, like, I definitely have phoned a pastor in the past. <laughs> like, like not, like, phone a friend, phone a pastor, all of the above. I've def definitely done that. Um, and so you said that, and I was like, that's so relatable. Um, but also, um, this is one of those moments where, like, sometimes I read the Bible and like, I just don't relate to it at all. And I'm like, this is, I don't like, I just have such a hard time doing it. Um, and then sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, I think I'm relating to this too much right now. And I think I hate it just as much because just because of like, you know, how much it's resonating with you as you read through it. Um, and so I think it starts kind of with that commentary about, you know, the future being tired and like we're weary because you know how do we see the the brightness and the hope in the future of like the world we currently live in today um and so i do think it's super important and you guys kind of already said this but to have verses like this and to i make jokes all the time i did it in this episode about how hard it is to read the bible um but sometimes in instances like this, I think it is so important to read the Bible um, just because we do get these moments where we're like, everything sucks right now. But then we read the Bible and we get verses like this that kind of, you know, like Vindala said, it gives you a little bit of hope um, to what could be or what, what could come. And, um, and so I just think kind of what I'm pulling from all of this is like there is that like, while it can be hard, it is so important to be interacting with the Bible and reading these things as we, you know, kind of go through the motions. And like reading the Bible in, in the hopes of questioning and like reading the Bible in, in the context of, Hey, the world kind of sucks. <laughs> Let me see if this, this thing that I've put faith and put stock and importance in also agrees. 
Um, and so just like you said, like, yeah, I think it's lovely when the Bible acknowledges like, yeah, the world's not perfect. Um, and it's really, really hard. Um, but with that, we're going to transition to our break and give some of these tired and weary people um, like a good couple seconds to relax about this. Um, so we'll be back after the break. Don't leave. We're going to have some messages, I think. I think that's how breaks work. Um, this is a long transition. Bye, guys. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Um, we're back from break. Allison's at a new camera angle. Um, my lighting has been changed. I look like the Phantom of the Opera right now, but we're ignoring it. Um, and we push on and do the rest of our of our podcast. So oh, I have to scroll back up. Okay, next, we're going to go to the psalm with Vendela. Vendela, are you ready? Yes, I am. The um, only one with the perfect setup that didn't have to change. <laughs> my gosh, stop. Um, so, yeah, I have psalms. Uh, 147, and it's verses 1 through 11, and then I've got also verse 20, but verses 1 through, like, I want to say, like, 9 are just a lot of, like, talking about how amazing God is, he's rebuilding Jerusalem, he's so great, he's supporting the humble, um, we love a humble king, and verse four it says he counts the stars and calls them all by name i just said that because i i love that verse as a kid i loved that verse i just thought it was so cute um but the real reason why i'm talking right now is uh verse 10 it says he takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might and i don't know like why like i highlighted this but i ended up i was sitting next to my partner as i was like looking at these verses and he he's not religious but I was like hey like I'm gonna read this to you and I just want you to tell me like what you think like right off the bat because I like grew up in the church so it's just like interesting to hear like another person's perspective that like has it when they read these verses because they can be kind of intense sometimes so I read him some of it and he said I didn't tell him that that verse stuck out to me and he said the same thing he was like I really like the part where it talks about uh, God not caring about like how mighty or how much strength of a horse somebody has. And I was like, that's so interesting for me too, because like, I thought the same thing. And I just think it's interesting because I liked that. I don't know how to put this into words, but I liked that God is a God that doesn't judge off of your strength and like how steadfast you are in like, I don't know, your everyday life, because I feel like I'm constantly doubting, like, every decision I make, and so I sort of enjoyed reading that and being like, okay, like, he acknowledges, he knows that everybody has doubts, he understands that, and still, and yet, he is delighting in our hope and our joy and our, our fear of him, and I, I think that that kind of stuck out to me. Also, another interpretation was that, um, he takes no pleasure in sort of like belief through force or like violence, which I feel like, um, you know, obviously most people are against, but not everybody. And so like, I just think it's, it was an interesting verse to read. I think it was very applicable. Like Sam was saying, everything is applicable to, you know, this day and age, 
But um, I just, I think that it was interesting because I liked that it was sort of that take on like you wanting to believe in something and that's why you believe in something as opposed to being like forced to or feeling like you have to, like it's an obligation. Um, I like that it's more of what they were saying, like the details of heavens and the clouds and rain for the earth. And like, he's doing all these intentional things for you, not to force you to do anything, but to believe in him with open arms. And I like that. I think that especially hearing my partner say that and like it, I feel like it's a really appropriate approach for a religion that's based on loving everybody and um I, I like that so that's probably what stuck out to me the most about these verses yeah I am gosh there's so many things I want to like pull out I'm trying to figure out where to start with them um I really appreciate that little addition I'm so sorry there's a dog I don't know if you can hear him he's whining um of like gosh I'm going to pull up the obligation piece that you're talking about at the end where like, we don't really have like this obligation. Um, our faith is because we, um, we want to like pursue it. We want to follow Jesus. We want to do all these things. Um, because I think it's, it connects to kind of my verse where Paul's talking about how like he is obligated, like he has to do the thing. Um, and so I think there's that like underlying, underlying message of like, you know, I'm doing all this because I have to. Um, but like, because I'm doing this, we now have this part of us where we can do it if we want to. Um, and I also think it just makes God seem more approachable when you like take away that obligation, like not feeling like I have to do anything specific um, for God to be present in my life. I feel like it makes it more approachable and it makes me more willing to want to put in that work. Um, just because it's not like a, if you don't do this, you know, all these bad things will happen. And I know that like in theory, there are some places that do kind of speak like that. But like as part of my, as part of my faith, it's like a, um, I'm doing all this because I'm willing. I'm doing all this because I believe and God is with me no matter what I do. Um, he is always present no matter what I do. And so I really like that piece of like taking away that obligation. Um, I'm going to fully embrace uh, my my old Michael Yerrick sense for a second because I'm going to start with a tangent. Because um, I, I, first of all, taking away from the text love the conversation that you just had about you and your partner because like I can think back in my life some of my favorite deep conversations that I've had with friends of mine are talking about religion or talking about any kind of deep philosophical conversation with people who have vastly different views on it my favorite example is talking when people bring up like the problem texts in the Bible, the ones that are often used to like harm the LGBTQ community. I had that conversation with my with one of my friends who is atheist and one of my friends who is Jewish. And we were looking at the same words, but like having the conversation is really, really powerful and moving just to like, so, uh, like be able to see everyone's perspective on it. Um, so first, I just wanted to talk about that. That was really, really cool. But then secondly, I really just wanted to like reiterate what all of us are talking about of like, the very very christian but also very methodist understanding of like god loving you without obligation there is love already and there's not much you have to do there's not anything really you have to do to like get god's love and make sure that you are in good favor um and the interpretation i always think about as somebody who is more competitive than he'd like to admit 
um, is I always think about the idea of like, I think there are people who see religion as a competition of like, I got to do this and I got to do this because I'm going to be God's favorite. And I love the idea that like, no, you don't have to do anything to receive like the abundance of God's love. Um, and it's, it's the old idea. What I always heard growing up in church was the idea of like, come as you are. It doesn't, you don't have to bring anything. You don't have to prove something. You don't have to abide by a specific code of, of life. You just have to be there. You just have to experience God and God will love you for that. And God loves the fact that you were created. Um, so yeah, just, I, I love all this conversation and love having the place to have a conversation about not bringing stuff and just God loving you. Um, lastly, we have a little special event today because we have, so our gospel text, which is Mark uh, chapter 1, 29 through 39, um, we are going to all break it down today. So I'm going to start with a little synopsis um, just to like get the ball rolling and get us all in the headspace. So we're in the middle of, we're in the beginning of Mark and we're in the middle of what I, I wrote down. It's Jesus's cure tour. That's like the best way for me to sum it up. Jesus is doing his victory lap of going around different places and curing the weak and ailing. They say exercising demons. I like to think about it as like helping those who are ailing and helping out, making people feel more free from their burdens. Um, but we're right in the middle of that. And it starts with them leaving the synagogue and going to to Simon's mother-in-law, excuse me. Simon's mother-in-law is in bed and she's sick and Jesus comes over and heals her and she immediately jumps up and begins to serve them. And then he goes on throughout the rest of the town and is healing the sick, performing his miracles. Um, and the point part that I circled and I wanted to bring up, which everybody can bring up whatever we want, but I wanted to start the conversation with this is verse 35. Um, they've been doing all these miracles. They've been going around the city, curing people. And night falls, and it says, In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And I immediately read this of him taking time for himself. Jesus is taking a little mental health break. Um, and I think as much as we talk about the divine nature of Jesus, the fact that we as followers get to see an example of somebody who's not only serving others, but also taking the necessary time to serve themselves so that they're not giving everything away and that their entire life isn't just devoted to the care of other people. There also is an interpretation of like taking time for yourself with God um, and doing something that benefits the, the mental space. And I know that's a very modern interpretation of it, but that was the biggest thing that I pointed out was taking the time for yourself. Um, and then also the whole section of this, the entire story, one of the big things I noticed is I was reading it and I was like, wow, there's a lot of people in this town who are hurt and who are going through stuff. This feels like kind of not real. And then I thought about it for like another second and realized, oh, that's kind of what we've all talked about today is being members of a, of a vast town who are going through things. Um, and the interpretation of like everybody fighting their own demons, uh, illnesses, struggles, whatever you want to call it but still having a place to find healing in that. So I wanted to see what you guys thought about it. And this one's going to be a little bit more free throw kind of conversation because I just want to see what you guys notice from this. Yeah, I think that, I think that verse 35, it says, yeah, mine says he went to an isolated place. And like, 
I don't know. I feel like it, even though it's such a small little verse and it can be easily overlooked and it is a modern interpretation of it, um, I think that some of like the most, I mean, cause I remember another scenario where Jesus was isolated was right before he was crucified. He was in the garden. He was like, go away from me, you know, and go keep watch. I'm going to be over here by myself and I'm going to pray by myself. I just think it's really interesting that this, you know, almighty being who has the strength of so many and, you know, he also needs time to be by himself too. Um, I kind of like that. And I think that it would, it would take away from the humanity of Jesus if it wasn't included. Um, it would make it so much less relatable if it was just like, yeah, and he was going town to town. Everybody was freaking out. He never even slept. He prayed a little bit sometimes. Most of the time he was just healing everybody. And, and then I think that that sentence is so important that, and he also went to an isolated place to pray because it's like, I don't know. I feel like that's what makes Jesus human to me is that he did need those breaks. And I feel like for me, that's important because I'm such a people pleaser that hearing that is really, really important for me because I have a really hard time stopping what I'm doing and taking breaks. And just like that one verse that we talked about earlier that was in mind that was like finding rest and stuff like that, like that's like, that's really tough for me. So I don't know, hearing it, seeing it in the Bible is I think very important for a lot of people, but me in that way that I have a really difficult time taking time for myself. But I find that if I don't, then I can't be the best that I can, the best version of myself with everybody. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty necessary for me at least. Oh, I almost just muted myself. So I, um, I just wanted to add to that of like what you said of it makes Jesus human but you also talk like the need for all of us to do it and the idea of a beautiful metaphor of what makes Jesus human is what keeps all of us human and like keeps all of us functioning as a human um is I really appreciate that yeah it's funny because that's actually kind of the section I was going to pull out as well um for part for the part of like that little bit of like Jesus taking care of himself in that way but also um I think the following verses kind of show the selflessness of Jesus. Um, and so like we have this moment in verse 35, early in the morning, Jesus got up, left the house while it was so dark outside and went to deserted, deserted places to deserted place to pray. I need to stop reading so fast. Um, and that is like, some people hate the word, but that is like Jesus' self-care. You know, he's like, I need to get out for a little while. I need to pray. And I think sometimes too, with like, that word can be taboo. And I think sometimes we forget like how fast it is, but yeah. So praying for anyone can be self-care, um, but I think if you move on to the next verses, it kind of shows his selflessness because then you have, you know, Simon and the others travel with Jesus looking for him. They finally track him down and they say, everybody wants to know where you are. And he says, it's time we went somewhere else, the next village maybe, so I can tell more people the good news about the kingdom of God. After all, that's the reason I'm here. And so like they kind of, in a way, like walk in on him taking this self-care. And instead of him being like, leave me alone, I need this minute, he's like, let's move on and go help more people. And so I think it shows kind of like that selflessness as we like read these verses. And I, okay. I don't want to put you on the spot and this is, this is, can be cut if it doesn't work. Um, but Allison, I also wanted to ask you as somebody who's like studying for social work, what the element of like 
sir, that, how do I phrase this? Um, one of the things I was thinking about is those of us who have jobs like you do, that is about serving others kind of constantly. What does that look like? Or do you, have you guys ever had conversations in class about like what kind of things you need to do to maintain this job for yourself? Um, if you don't have an answer to that, that's fine, but. No, that's actually so funny because um, this is a topic that they bring up in our classes all the time. And like, there are so many people in my class who cannot even stand it when the professor is like, so what do you guys do for self-care? <laughs> and we're like, well, we're grad school students working an internship and probably at least one other job. So not a lot. Um, but they do tell us that like social work and other helping professions similar to social work, you put a lot of yourself into it. And so they do constantly like stress the importance of having self-care. Um, and part of the reason that I like said, you know, it can be taboo is that like, there's different kinds of self-care, you know, there's like surface level, like I had a stressful day, I'm going to take a bath, maybe drink a glass of wine. I'm going to read 30 minutes before I go to bed, just so like I have a moment to myself. Um, but that kind of self-care like doesn't really get down into like those deeper issues. Um, and I think that's where things like praying and therapy and group and things like that are all like actual, those deeper, deeper levels of self-care. Um, and so we kind of talk about that, how like there's, you know, a lot of times therapists have therapists and, the, and it's like that for a reason. Um, helpers have helpers. Um, and so like, while you are engaging in those low levels of self-care, which, you know, any form of self-care is helpful. If you can find five minutes to yourself in any day, it is helpful. Um, they talk about how, like, especially with like helpers, making sure that you have that deeper level as well. But it's just so funny that you brought that up because we do. I had, a, I had a professor one semester that would come in every single class and go, what self-care did you do this weekend? And we all just like groan. <laughs> and so. I, I love that answer. And I'm also so glad that you had such an amazing answer because um, I just, that was one of the first things that struck me is that I read that text and immediately was like, who's going to be on this podcast? Because I immediately thought about like some of the conversations we've had about work. Um, but thank you for that. And now I want to close us in prayer and close us with just a thanks for all of this. Um, God, you really have put these texts before us given us space to talk about them in a way that best reflects what's going on. Um, and so I want to say thank you for the text. I want to say thank you for these people who were able to put themselves into these shoes and talk about things that matter to a lot of people. Uh, thank us. Thank you for time. Thank you for self-care as much as we may hate to try to take a break. Um, and thank you for giving us all of this. In your name we pray. Amen. Sweet. And now I want to thank you guys for joining me on my first time being host. This was a little stressful, but it was a really, really fun time. And I'm very excited to keep doing this with you guys. So with that, I want to thank you guys for watching at home. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye.